From the South Dakota Statewide Family Engagement Center, thanks for joining Fam Jam, where we bring together schools, families, and community members to discuss tricky topics in supporting students. We're your hosts, Morgan Von Hayden and Dana Livermont. Happy New Year, and thanks for joining us for another episode of The Fam Jam. The tricky topic this month is communication. So I was looking online, um, and Merriam-Webster defines communication as a process by which information is exchanged between individuals through a common system of symbols, signs, or behavior. And this definition is a bit stuffy, but there are a couple of things I wanted to point out in this definition that I think are important as we talk about communication, especially as it relates to family engagement. And the first part is that it talks about information being exchanged. And I think exchange really indicates that things are going back and forth between the two parties. This is really important detail because true communication goes in two directions, not one. And that is very important because we know strong communication between schools and families is not just information being sent home, but it's also having those strategies to get information and feedback from the students and families. So we truly have the two-way communication. Exactly. And the other part of the definition that I think is important is that it talks about a common system of symbols, signs, or behavior. And that's sort of a broad definition. But when we take this to the school level, I think it is important that we're working with common language so both parties understand what we're talking about. So it kind of makes me giggle because, oh, my goodness, I have seen this so many times. And what do we call it? Like we call it the alphabet soup, right? Because schools use this. So much jargon and acronyms like PBIS, RTI, SBAC, BLT, which can I just say that I did learn is not a sandwich and I wanted it to be. And if they don't really explain what all of those acronyms mean to families, there is not a common understanding and that communication is broken. Yep. So I think if we really want true school and family communication, we need to focus on two-way dialogue and common language. We have some guests joining us today who know quite a bit about communication, and I'm really excited to see what they have to say. Let's first welcome Principal Shonda Carmichael from Lemon Elementary. We know that supporting students is the foundation of why we do family engagement. And in your experience, what benefits do you see for your students when your school is communicating effectively with your students? When schools and families communicate effectively, uh, I think the benefits really are immeasurable as far as just the things that you don't even think about that end up being positively impacted. Number one is building trusting, positive relationships um, that are built on conversations and just being available and approachable. Um, I think that you, even if you're not asking for it inadvertently, you start to think innovatively and um, become more aware of ideas that wouldn't have been generated. Um, and then of course, I just think that it improves the learning experiences of, of students. If you're sharing positivity with their families, then that also has an impact on them and that comes with them when they walk in your doors. I think you make a good point here when you talk about how good communication leads to strong relationships because we did do uh, an episode earlier on building relationships. And so we have these singular conversations, but really all of these things work together. So relationships lead to better communication and good communication leads to stronger relationships. So they're not necessarily exclusive of each other. 
I want to bring in two other guests to our conversation today who have amazing skills when it comes to working with families and communication. I'd like to introduce Marcia Schroeder. She is an ENL teacher from Plankinton. Welcome, Marcia. Hi, everybody. And we have Rachel Temple, who is also an EL teacher and works for the Rapid City Area Schools. Hi, Rachel. Good afternoon. Thank you. Speaking of the alphabet soup of acronyms that schools use, EL stands for English Learners. And previously, this has been known as English as a second language, but sometimes we hear English as a new language, which is ENL, or English Language Learners, which is ELL. So, Marcia or Rachel, can you explain for our listeners who English Learners are? Generally speaking, English learners are students um, who are learning English at school and who speak a different language at home. People know ESL, ESL, you know, usually, although families don't. Either way, I think you have to all, you know, clarify. But I prefer ENL because English as a new language is not second language. You know, majority of my students speak two languages when they come. So English is a third language. So it makes no sense to call second language. So I was looking at this data from the survey from 2016. I found it pretty interesting. I know it's a little bit old, but I think it's still useful. And so that year, the parent and family involvement in education survey um, was done with more than 14,000 parents. What they found was that only 42% of those parents reported receiving a school-initiated phone call about their child. And only 62% had received an individualized email about their child. And to me, that means that, you know, anywhere from 40% to 60% of our families might not be having meaningful conversation with their schools. Yikes, that's more than a little concerning. Fortunately, we do have a lot of schools in South Dakota that are working hard to buck those statistics. As educators, what are some successful ways that your schools are communicating with families in your district? Well, besides the regular things that all school, I believe, do through parent conferences, sending newsletters, having a school website updated with information, when we talk about English learners specifically, um, we do use um, phone a lot to talk. Even if they use a technology app or something to translate that to the language of the family, they always want to make sure that if they have someone in a staff that speaks that language, that that information is accurate, that translation, it's really telling the parent or the family what they want to communicate. So you can use many things, but I think phone calls and especially now we use texting with the parents a lot. What about you, Rachel? What are you seeing in in the schools in Rapid City? I completely agree. Um, We have work cell phones, and so we're able to, I use text messages a lot with the families and also WhatsApp because that's familiar to them. And we can keep in touch with um, photos and and videos as well. And I think with our students, we're, we're fortunate in that we have established incredible relationships with these families, kind of like they are part of our family. There's also different communication platforms. For example, um, there's something called Blooms that one of my schools uses, and uh, there's a translate feature. And so it can translate messages into multiple different languages. And so helping to empower the parents and show them how to change those messages into into their language kind of takes me out of being in the middle of that 
and it helps them to have more of that direct communication. I love when uh, teachers and schools are using programs like that because it's not an extra step for teachers. They can use a program that's helpful for their families, you know, of their English learners, but also for their general, you know, students as well. So it's it's a kind of a one-stop shop that, that works for all the students and can be very helpful. Yeah, I would like to add that there is one app now being used a lot that I hear throughout South Dakota's uh, talking points. Um, and uh, the teacher can send one message to the, all the parents in the class in English. And the, when you set up, you set up for that family to receive in that language, the other family in other language. So again, the teacher is sending one message, you know, and then each family is going to receive in their language. So it makes it easier, you know, more effective for a teacher. Well, and how cool is that, that that's so individualized and it really is speaking to that family? Because sometimes when you get like a mass email or a mass text, it's like, oh, it's to everyone, it's not just for me. But just to be able to get that email or text message for me, then I read it. Yeah, and the other way around is true. If it, that parent that speaks you know, Spanish or any other languages, because I know in Rapid City there are other languages as well as in Sioux Falls, uh, that parent types in their language and then the teacher receives it in English, so. Shonda, what are some creative or innovative ways that you have been communicating with your families? Well, I don't really know that we're creative. Um, we have some things that we just stick to regularly. We have a Wednesday folder in the elementary building and it goes home every Wednesday. And if we have something important that we wanna communicate as far as hard copy that we want in the hands of parents, it goes in the Wednesday folder. Our parents have learned to look for that and it's there regularly and it's dependable. And we know that if something's important, we're gonna save it for that day. We use some social media platforms as well. Um, and we purchase a school level membership to what is called Seesaw. And it has been very helpful. I mean, I think one of the most creative things that we do is just looking for those opportunities of conversational pieces. Um, we're sending home things that tell parents when stuff is happening and whatnot, but we also really try to look for times where just an organic flow of information happens. So almost all of my teachers are on crosswalk duty after school every day. And you would be amazed the conversations that just come out of them being available outside during pickup on a daily basis and the opportunity that creates for parents to interact with them in a non-confrontational or, or formal way. So I, I think we gain a lot out of really optimizing those opportunities so that our parents, I, mean, I would hope that they know that we're approachable and um, we, want, we wanna know what they have to share because oftentimes we leave those conversations saying, why didn't I think of that? You know, that, what an easy solution to something that we could spend an hour in a staff meeting trying to make sure we find the right answer for and really the right answer is very simple, you know? You talked about using school-wide things, and I think that is a struggle for some schools when 
you know, the kindergarten teacher is using this and the fifth grade teacher is using this and you have families who are trying to juggle different apps or different expectations. And so having that consistency, okay, we have Wednesday folders. It doesn't matter which grade you can expect that we're using Seesaw at a school wide level. I think that that helps families just know and have some consistency and then they're more likely to get the information. So I thought that was really cool. Thanks. So I will tell you, um, since the conversation is on communication, that that came out of a parent sharing that exact concern with us, right? So uh, last March in particular, um, and then the previous year, we had some teachers who were using Class Dojo. We had other teachers who were using Seesaw. And while um, parents really appreciated all of those efforts, some of them have students, you know, three students in three different grade levels within our building, and trying to manage all of that is a lot to keep up with. So that's how um, the school-wide use of Seesaw became available. We've been talking about two-way dialogue too, so that's great that you're getting input from families too about what's working and what's not working. Something we hear often in family engagement is, you know, the answers to the questions we're asking are within our families if we would just talk to them. So, you know, sometimes we're doing all these creative and innovative things and we'll just do this and then the families will show up or they'll hear this. But really, if we would just talk to families and get their input, we'd probably be on a much better track. And it sounds like you're doing that. We try. You know, <laughs> I think we, we try. Um, as is the case, we, have, we always have room for improvement. Well, let's bring in another perspective to this conversation. As we've said, communication should be two ways between schools and families, so families have a lot to add here. With us today is a mother of three children, a preschooler, a first grader, and a seventh grader. Let's welcome Kristen Williamson. Kristen, thanks for sharing your time with us. And with children in a variety of different grade levels, what kind of experiences have you had communicating with schools? Well, um, actually, I would say that I'm really fortunate because I've had really great experiences with all three of my kids. And we've done a combination of both private and public schools over the years. And we, we've just had great experiences um, with, with both type of schools. And two of my kids... Um, are on IEPs, so we have a lot of additional um, support teachers that we work with. So I, I don't have complaints, but I have a lot of positive things to say. Kristen, I'm so glad that you had that opportunity to have such great experiences working with schools. What are some of the most effective ways that your schools and educators have communicated with you? I'm a paper and pen person, so I even though I don't like the clutter that all the papers bring home. I like being able to sort through, read it. If I have to stick it on the fridge, it's right there in front of my face. Um, my husband is, he's the technology guy. So he likes the emails, um, the messages that come in through different apps. Um, really, it has just come down to um, the teacher, letting us know at the beginning of the school year um, a main form of communication that they will use, whether it's a specific app or emailing, um, and then just them asking us, you know, what's the best way I can get a hold of you? Um, just that 
open conversation with the teacher and then just letting that kind of set the foundation for the whole school year has helped us be successful with communicating. I'm glad that you brought up um, about, you know, you being a paper, and like a, like a solid paper in your hand kind of person, but your husband being more, you know, like uh, using the phone and technology because I think what we're seeing, you know, in schools now is that we need to vary the ways that we communicate with families because of the ways that work for them. And you're seeing like right in your own family that there's two different ways to communicate that is working for you. So schools need to be pretty flexible and offering a variety of ways that they're sending information home. Yes, exactly. I agree with that. So in that same study I was talking about earlier, they also looked at the percentage of parents that reported being very satisfied with communication with their child's teacher. And it probably won't surprise you that the percentage of very satisfied parents drops from 75% in early elementary to 68% in upper elementary to 55% in middle school and 47% in high school. We know that communication and family engagement in general can be more difficult as students get older. Mercy and Rachel, just thinking about to your guys' experiences working with schools, what are some of the strategies for communicating with families of middle school and high school students that you guys do? I think this is really a, a case-by-case basis. Uh, for example, my middle school students have my work cell phone number, and we communicate directly via text messages. I usually use text messages or emails with parents as well. Uh, different schools have different online platforms to contact parents. Many times I feel, and kind of like what's been said, uh, written communication with parents that have lower English proficiency levels is easier because they can read and reread for understanding uh, or even run them through a, a translation app. I understand that the reason being a high school teacher, middle and high school teacher, is because in um, elementary, you have a classroom teacher. So you have that one teacher that parents know, this is my first grader, you know, teacher. So he communicates with her. While they go to middle and high school, they have multiple teachers. So in our district, in our school, We've been um, having this care meeting every week, and then we talk about, you know, the successes of that week or something that needs to be addressed between all the middle and high school teachers with the counselor. And then the counselor take notes, and then she will be the one making contact with that parent if it's necessary. So in general, you know, if say, oh, in my class that student is doing this well in my class he's doing this you know so then she'll have you know not just something not so positive to say but she'll have the positives so he's doing great in this class but this class seems like we need some adjustments and um or what's going on because it's behaving this way so that conversation go between all of us and the counselor so we all have a little input and if we have that student in our classroom and then she can put all that together um, and know uh, what to say when she called the parents. I, I just love that. Like that is something that honestly, I, I've been working with schools for a long time now and I've never heard of anything like that before. Like we talk about like IEP meetings or 504 meetings and you have the group of people that come around, but to have like that 
point of contact and to be able to put that together that I, I love the innovation and it's so simple and so important. I love that. And, and you guys call those your care meetings? The meetings, the weekly meetings. Yeah. Care meetings. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Well, this has been a great dialogue on communication. And before we go, we'd like to give you each some time to leave us with a parting thought. Kristen, what is one thing that you wish schools knew about communicating with families? I think um, for me personally, as a parent, if there was one main concept that I would like to communicate to educators is really to define what your main form of communicating is and I keep it simple. <laughs> it can be overwhelming as a parent. I, I have found different times, even between my husband and I, if I'm trying to take care more of reading through the papers and, you know, marking down stuff on the family calendar, and he's taking care of the emails and the school app messages and that type of thing. Um, I find it takes two of us to keep up with everything. <laughs> Even then there's times where I'll send um, my first grader off to school and then I'll finally sit down to check some different things um, with communication. And I'll be like, oh, today was where red and green today. Well, we missed that one. She's in purple, <laughs> you know, so keep it simple. Try to have one or two main ways of communicating um, that are the main forms of maybe getting information out to parents. And for our educators, what is one thing you wish families knew about communication? I, I wish that families knew that when we say the door is open, that we genuinely and authentically mean it um, and that when we fall short because we will right I mean we can try a lot of things but we're gonna fall short sometimes we want to know about it we want to be proactive and we want to find a way to fix it because we can't we can't fix what we don't know and we don't know what we don't know right and sometimes that barrier in communication comes from assumptions that are just not on our radar. And by speaking up, you are probably going to help several other families as well. And, and we, we want to know. We don't want what may appear as ill intention to, to grow in, in the perceptions of our stakeholders because their perception is, is reality. I think that I wish families know that they are welcome to school. I think it's most of the things because it's everything is new, the country is new, the environment is new, they don't speak the language, many times they don't have um, formal education, so they feel that they can't talk to you or they cannot communicate or that their question is not good um, or they should know that. So. Every time um, our communication starts when they come register, I try 
to show the school, to talk about the school, to tell them and assure them that no question is, you know, uh, all questions are valid and we wanted them to ask them and that we are there. They didn't, don't have to apologize for asking something that maybe then later they will think, oh, that was obvious and I asked, you know. How about you, Rachel? My, my biggest wish um, for families is I, I wish they knew how to advocate for themselves. Many times they're uncomfortable due to language barriers and they're not able to communicate directly with the schools, whether they've had a bad experience when they were attending school uh, or if they had a negative experience being an English learner themselves in a school setting. Uh, it's, it can be very traumatic and, and uncomfortable. And so one of our goals this year is to help empower parents to become more involved, uh, to know their rights and to know the rights for their children as well. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Fam Jam. We'd love to start communicating with you. So please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so we can get the conversation started. And we hope you'll join us next month as we discuss how schools can partner with the community to support students. The Fam Jam is a production from the South Dakota Statewide Family Engagement Center, where we're committed to uniting students, families, schools, and communities together by focusing on learner needs from cradle to career. Music written by Tom Freer. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, SFEC South Dakota, and become our friend. We love having new friends.